This is a free download from the BBC. For more information, go to bbc.co.uk slash podcasts. What are we doing? I'm just going to read Ian's lines, mate. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Wowzers, you're looking wonderful today. Who's written this? Me. Good for you. Start again. I want it with meaning. Right, okay. Who's this aimed at? It's not aimed at you, is it? No, no, no. Because you're not looking wonderful. Thanks. Wowzers, you're looking wonderful today. Good for you. And good for you on downloading this podcast, even though it's free. It's the absolute best bits and some slightly average bits of Ian's show. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've never listened before, don't bother. Here's the kind of thing you may expect. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm very, very well, Susie. How are you doing during the storm? Fine. I haven't been outside before. I just took one look out the window and thought, right, that's it, I'm stopping in. It's uh, it, it's one of those days, isn't it, Susie, where if you have the opportunity, you look out, you see the, the grey skies, the rain battering down, the wind, you think, do you know what, I'm quite happy to sit by the radio or watch a bit of TV all day. Exactly. So all these people complaining, and all I want to say is, Ian, I'm on your side, mate. They keep saying that last caller you had was trying to have a go at you. Oh, and yes. I don't think that you need to have a go Need having a go at. Oh, you're, you know, they all have a go at you, thinking you're a nut star and everything, and you're not. I'm the lady that phoned in before about, I was the one that fell in the bit for Ben. You, now, if, if I remember correctly, yeah. you are, are you, are you four foot nine or something? No, four foot eleven and a half. I apologise, two and a half inches off. Yeah. I, I just. <laughs> Those two and a half inches are, are vital. Just remind us what happened to you, Susie. Yeah, I, I fell in the bit for bin. It was in inside a bit for bin that was outside, at, well, at the back of a charity shop. And there was a bag that I wanted to get at the bottom. And I tried to get into it and I fell in it. And I, I tried to get out and I looked like a little meerkat. And trying to get out of this bin... In, and this cop had come round the corner, and I said, excuse me, and he, he was looking everywhere, and he finally spotted me, and he helped me out, and he dropped me, because he was laughing that much. So hang on a second, you're stuck in a biffer bin, you're, you're a little yeah. makeup going, help, help, I'm only little, I'm only little, and then the copper comes along, and he's wondering where this mysterious voice is coming from. Yes. He sees you, and he lifts you out. How, how, how did he drop you, Susie? Basically, he was laughing that much. Oh, gosh. Oh, we dear. were just both in hysterics, and he just dropped me. But you managed... You're not calling from the Biffabin now, are you? It sounds a bit... Angry. No, I'm not. No, no I'm, I'm out of that now. That's, that's I'm, in, I'm in my house. I'm safe. Don't worry. And is it a proper, proper house you live in? A full-size house? Yes, okay. well, it's a little bungalow. OK, all right, fine. Well, that's fair. Yeah. You, and you've not fallen in any bin since, have you, Susie? No, I haven't, darling. Well, listen, I, I, always, I always appreciate your calls. I will never tire of hearing you tell me that story. It's the most <laughs> wonderful story. You stay in. You keep yourself nice and warm. Yes, I will. And I don't want any of your listeners 
having a go at you because some of them do. Well, listen... I don't think they understand you, Ian. I don't think they do. You understand me, don't you, Susie? I understand you. We have... Because we're both... I think we're both cuckoo. I think we're all a bit cuckoo, aren't we? Well, aren't we? Hey, guess what? You know Dr Hook? When you're in love with a beautiful woman, you it's hard. hard. Don't you watch your friends? It's so hard. You better watch your friends. Oh, so right. hard. Watch your, watch your friends. Well, Dennis LeCorrier from uh, Dr Hook, he's the singer, not the guy with the eye patch, that's the other fella. Uh, they sing, when you're in love with a beautiful woman. You you're going along. Tired. It's tough. It's tough. Very tough. Well, I spoke to him. Hello? It's Dennis! Dennis LeCorrier, sir. How are you doing this morning? Well, do you really want to know? Uh, well, I- I'd imagine this is pretty early for you, is it? Well, no, well I'll, tell, I'll tell you. It's funny you should say that. Go because on. Um, I'm doing an Australian tour next year. Yeah, show off. the advanced radio and press has started. Yeah. And I was scheduled to do an interview 4 p.m. their time this afternoon. Uh, and so I, at 6 a.m. my time. So oh. I got up at 5 yeah. and had some tea to make sure I'd be awake. Wonderful. And uh, no call came through. <laughs> and I called Australia at 6.30, and they said, you know, we didn't realize you set your clocks back a couple of days ago, so we canceled it. <laughs> oh, nice one, Australia. And yeah, you're going so to I tour? Think, so don't worry about me, my friend. I've been awake since quarter after five for no reason at all. And you're going to go and entertain these people, Dennis? Cancel yeah. that tour, for goodness well, sakes. But when I get there, we'll be on the right time zone. If I had to entertain them over the phone, it would be absolutely impossible. You're, you're right. You're actually <laughs> going to be there in person, so it'll be fine. How are you doing, man? Are you all right? Yeah, I, I kind of uh, had a little accident the other night oh. backstage. There was a, I came off the side of the stage. I came off the wrong side, and I thought, oh, I'll go around the back curtain Uh-oh. and head the other way. And I went around, and I could see Light and Adrian, you know, my tour manager. It was all pitch dark, so I started to run towards him. And it was a bank of monitors back oh. there, and I hit him and fell over them and sort of, I don't know if I've sprained or cracked a rib on my left side, and I can't, I can't cough. And I can't really take a deep breath. And the worst thing is I can't laugh without it hurting. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best not to be funny for the next yeah, five no, minutes. Yeah, no, I know. Can you sing, though, Dennis? Well, I did the other night because I did that in the interval. And I had to go out and do another hour and 20 minutes like that. But oh, adrenaline man. gets you through when you do stuff like that, you know. So, yeah, no, I, I, you know, it's, just, it's been a weird couple of days because I, I can't really rest. You know, I can't really lay anywhere. And, but so it was just as well they did me a favour and got me up at 5.15. Dennis, with I the, wasn't sleeping well anyway. With the greatest know? respect, sir, I believe you are now officially an old-age pensioner. You need to be taken it easy. I'm, I am a, I'm 64, yeah, but you know... Sit down, have a rest for a while. Well, I know, I know what it is, man, you know, because as you get older, as you get, you know, all through life you, you go through things and you think, I'm resilient, I'll bounce back. And then when you get older you think... Wait a minute, will this kill me? <laughs> will I be bouncing back from this one? It's a little bit like the guy who shaves his head bald to be trendy and then decides to grow it back and realizes he's gone bald in the interim, you know what I mean? So, how is the tour going? Apart from you know nearly killing yourself, how are yeah, you doing? Yeah. No, it's going fine, man. I mean, the people are great. I was up I was up in Southport, you know, Merseyside the other night and they're always really great and you know, I'm playing Potter's Bar in a couple of nights. Potter's Bar, I've got it here, Potter's Bar, the, the, the Williot Centre, is that a yes. place at the 31st of October? Yes, Halloween, so that ought to be scary. And, uh, and then I'm playing Bloomsbury in London. 
November oh, the 7th. Se- the Bloomsbury's a great theatre. November hoping, the 7th. I'm hoping you get to come to that. Man, listen, give me, you put my name on the door. I'll, I'll be anywhere that's free, of course. Not only have I put your name uh, Your name is actually on the door. It better Ian. be. I've, like, painted it on the door. I want so it in lights. Walk up, it'll say, Ian, this way to entertain me. Excellent. I'm there. <laughs> and for those, listen, for those who, who, who haven't seen you since, you know, the, the sort of the, the heyday of Hook in the, yeah. the sort of 70s and early 80s, what kind of stuff are you playing? Well, you know, I got so much stuff to choose from, you know, and, and so there are definitely some of the Hook classic hits in there. But I'm also the kind of guy that likes to go and reach for those, those uh, album tracks that make people say, oh, I never thought I'd hear you play that, mm. you know, because they're there. You know, like the woman who came up to me and said, I am one of your biggest fans. I have your greatest hits album. And I thought, <laughs> well, that means you know 12 songs. Well done. So I tried to give them a little bit of everything, and I talked to them a lot, and I kind of, my show's been more, you know, it's a lot of communication with the audience. It's why I love playing alone. It's not just guy goes out on stage, plays his hits, and and takes a hike, you know. I'm there, and that's what I want to do in Australia, too. In Australia, they wanted me to come over, uh, pick up a band there, and play, you know, sexy eyes in casinos while people eat prime rib, and I said, well, I don't really want to do that. And so I'm going over with my solo show and getting to talk to him. Because Australia, you know, I'm there at once every 15 years. I don't want to just go in, play the hits, and leave. I want to say hi and, you know, forge some kind of relationship. But I do that every night here. And, you know, people tell me it's a, they love the set list and they love the fact that I, I give it some thought. Mm. You know, I really do. Otherwise, it's okay. Give me tw- get me 20 of those blue shirts they seem to like. And I pretty much know what my set list will be for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I don't really do that. I, I, I toss it around, and then I take requests, and people shout for stuff. So there's... Stuff oh, we're, we're allowed to heckle around. you, are we? What's that? Are we allowed to heckle you? Um, yeah, sure. It's Fan- part of the show. <laughs> Fantastic. You know? Yeah, you know, I mean, now that you, people talk to me all the time. I don't yeah. know if it's a heckle, but people talk to me. Because <laughs> I open a dialogue as soon as I go out there. I say, hi, how you doing? I don't say, shut up and listen. I yeah. go out and say, how you doing? And we start, to, we start to talk. So, you know, I love the show. I, I, I've said it a million times, but, you know, being on the road is 22 hours a day of nothing. Highway, motorway, dressing rooms, hotel rooms, uh, trying to find a cup of tea. I mean, it's pretty much sitting, waiting for those two hours. Yeah. So I want those two hours to be brilliant. I want them... Not only for everybody else, I'm afraid to say, but also for myself. Because, I mean, the day that I walk out there and those two hours don't mean anything to me, then there's 24 hours gone. Listen, I we've got a minute left, and I, I, I'm hesitant to ask you a question, because you, your answer will take 25 minutes. No, it won't. I'll give you a short one. Did, Bob Dylan recorded one of your songs that you wrote. Is that right? Bob Dylan, uh, Bob Dylan did it in a film, a song that I wrote with Shell called A Couple More Years. Oh, you know? how cool was that? Yeah, it was great, man. It's great. You know, I mean, any time anybody invest a little bit of their career in something you said is brilliant, you know. But when people ask me, I usually tell them I, I wrote Blowing in the Wind. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Dennis, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. I'm sorry it's so brief. You're playing uh, for Potter's Bar uh, the 31st of October, the Williot Centre, yes. and also a big show at the Bloomsbury Theatre uh, uh, in London on November the 7th. Thank you so much for coming on, Dennis. Thanks, man. I appreciate the time. You know, and these shows here are important to me because next year I'm not going to be in the UK at all. I'm going to be in Australia, other parts of the world. So this is kind of like, you know, my see you when I see you show. 
just remembered there's another voice on this show. Just, what, um, um, Dealey, Justin Dealey. Where on earth is Justin Dealey this morning? What's he up to? Um, All right, bruv, uh, just, yeah, so, boss, uh, what do you want me to go out and do today, bruv? I'll go along with it. Just, could you go out and speak to the people of Luton about a burning issue? Yeah, what is it? Well, I've not thought of it yet. Kath, got any well, idea? Well, once, once you've got, like, an idea, bruv, let me know, innit, boss? Is it a disgrace? Would you mind? Are you outraged? Yeah, would you go and do that for us? Yeah, of course, bruv. Justin, uh, thank you very much indeed. We'll hear uh, what Justin... Uh, Gets on that a little bit later on, I know, I know, but what can we do? Uh, we can bring you now the latest on the situation with Bedford Hospital and healthcare provision in Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes. Three national agencies have been brought in to try to help find solutions to the problems. Monitor, which regulates healthcare, the NHS Trust Development Authority and NHS England are concerned that the current provision may not be able to meet the needs of patients in the future. Well, on the line now is the Chief Executive of Milton Keynes Hospital, Joe Harrison. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Joe, what do you think of these national bodies getting involved? I think it's a really, really good opportunity for them to work with us to find the right solution. We know that we've got two hospitals that are working incredibly hard to serve our local population, and we know that we've got to do more in the future as those populations grow. So I think it's a great opportunity to work with them to come up with the best solution. They've highlighted that your trust is predicted, predicted to have final, financial losses of £17 million, a huge amount of money. You must be concerned about that. It's a lot of money. We said at the start of the year that that was the amount that we were expecting to go into deficit, and we are on plan, so we are doing what we said we were going to do, which I accept, given the amount of money it is, is a lot. But uh, nevertheless, the regulator is pleased that we are doing what we said we were going to do. And that also includes the improvements in performance I've talked to your listeners about before. Are you in danger of losing your foundation trust status? No, I don't see that that will happen. I think there is a real opportunity to work with Monitor to come up with a sustainable future for both Milton Keynes and for Bedford Hospital. And I I should say to the listeners that I think our regulators should be congratulated for working with NHS England and the Trust Development Authority in the first case of its kind in the country. I think it's a great opportunity. Now, you mentioned Bedford Hospital. This is all kind of tied in with the problems facing that hospital. And in another development, the Clinical Commissioning Group is widening its review into health provision across Bedfordshire. How will Milton Keynes be involved with that? I hope that we'll be involved closely with the whole work that's going on in Bedford. The Clinical Commissioning Group work is tied into the work that the regulators are doing with us. So this, isn't, this hasn't come out of the blue. And we expect to be involved in the same way that we know we're going to be closely involved with the work that Monitor and the others are doing. Does this mean that some services will only be offered at one hospital and not the other? My role is to make sure that we deliver the best possible care for the patients and population of Milton Keynes. And likewise, my my counterpart at Bedford Hospital has to do exactly the same for the population of Bedford. We need to do that in, in the best and most sustainable way. So I can't, I can't and won't comment on whether any services are going to move. What I can say to your listeners is that we will make sure that we work with our public, certainly at Milton Keynes, to develop the services that we know we're going to need in the future. Well, which services won't you need in the future? That's incredibly difficult to say when you look at the increasing numbers of patients coming through our hospital. You could argue that we're just going to need more and more. That said, we know that there's not enough money in the system for hospitals to continue to grow in the way that they've done for the last 10, 15 years. And 
we know that actually there are better ways and cheaper ways to deliver health care that hospitals sometimes aren't very good at doing. So I don't think it's about stopping services. I think it's about making sure that we provide them in the right place. Well, so that means that some will be in Bedford and some will be in Milton Keynes. Which ones are you hoping to keep at Milton Keynes and which ones are you going to shift off to Bedford? Sorry, I think uh, there's a slight misunderstanding there. I mean between services that GPs can provide, services that community hospitals... Community OK, so, so which ones will, will you not be providing at Milton Keynes? I expect us to provide the full range at Milton Keynes in the same way that I expect the full range to be provided at Bedford. This is about services that are provided both in the hospital and in the community. So just to clarify, you won't be getting rid of any services at Milton Keynes Hospital? I expect that we will provide services differently in the future. What does that mean? Well, let's take a, let's take a really good example of where in the past a patient will have come into hospital to get a specialist form of treatment, yep. can now be seen in their GP surgery. So for those patients that in the past have come for some form of diagnosis or some form of, let's say, let's say skin condition, they know that they can now go to their GP and get exactly the same okay. service but closer to home. So you are getting rid of some services at the hospital then? No, that's not what I'm saying. What well, I'm you saying. know, you're, if, you're, if you're not providing the service at the hospital but it's being provided at the GP... Oh, I see what you mean. You are getting it's, rid of some services at the hospital. In the same way, the way you used to go in for a, go in for a sort of hip replacement, that used to be an incredibly specialist um, operation and you used to have to go to a national centre to have that, now you can come to Milton Keynes Hospital and have that. And indeed, so what we're seeing is we're seeing services transferring into our hospital, and we're seeing services being provided elsewhere in the community. So do I expect Milton Keynes Hospital to, to see fewer patients in the future? Definitely not. Do I, do I expect to see Bedford Hospital see fewer patients in the future? No, I don't. I think we're going to see different types of patients. It does sound like a, a very uh, managerial speak way of saying that some services won't be available at Bedford Hospital. They'll, they will be available elsewhere. What, I, what I'll do is I'll talk about Milton Keynes. Cause uh, Milton Keynes, yeah. sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, sorry. Um, so from, from a Milton Keynes perspective, I know that, for example, we're looking to hugely grow cancer services at Milton Keynes Hospital because currently patients have to go to John Radcliffe and have to go to Northampton. Yes, you're talking about the ones you're growing. The, the, I, I'm more concerned about the ones that, that you will be farming out to GPs and other places. You've already said skin specialists. Let, let, me, let me assure the population of Milton Keynes that those services will still be available. But just not at the hospital. Absolutely will. And what I need to make sure is that as many services we can possibly make available are available to patients as close to their home as possible. So, so Joe, come on now, you are the managerial speak. So those services will be available, yeah. but just not at the hospital. And I suppose a question for your listeners... No, 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 Joe, no, Joe. The question for, for Joe Harrison, the chief executive of Milton Keynes Hospital, is those services will be available, but just not at the hospital, question mark. As long as they are available, I don't mind whether they're available in the hospital or in the community, as so, long as they're available to the population. You may not mind, the patients may mind. So just to clarify, because you are, you, you, your PR training is doing you well, but it's also doing you a disservice. The, these services will be available, but some services will not be available specifically at Milton Keynes Hospital. As long as my patients can access those services... I'll be delighted if okay. they can access Excellent. closer to home. So I will translate into English. Yes, those services will be available, but some yes. of them won't be available at Milton Keynes Hospital. And I'm quite happy with that, yes. But you, it, it took us five minutes for you not to say it. What I want to do is make sure any listeners aren't scared by the thought that they can't... No, they don't want... The, the, Joe, the listeners are far more intelligent than I think some people give them credit for. They won't be scared. They just want to know what's going on. Yes. 
So I think we've clarified. Just to clarify, final sentence, service, all the services will be available, just some of them won't be available at Milton Keynes Hospital. And more, I think, is important to note. So there'll be even more services available at the hospital than there currently is now. Joe, well done. There you go, you see. That's Joe Harrison, the Chief Executive of Milton Keynes Hospital. That's what PR training does for you, dear listener. Uh, we, we got there in the end. I've often said this, I'm actually going to look into doing this properly. I'm going to start up an alternative PR training course. Lots of chief executives of banks and hospitals and schools, and we've spoken to lots of them on this show, uh, they go on these PR training courses where they're sat down for a day or for a weekend and it's all rather jolly and they get tea and coffee and cakes uh, and they are told what to say and how to say it and how to avoid answering questions. You can generally tell if they've been on the PR training course because they will start with, first of all, Ian, may I just say thank you for letting me come on your show to speak to your listeners? Okay, PR training. I'm going to start an alternative PR training course where it'll be an afternoon and it'll be just simply, just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. All you need to do, if you're asked a yes or no answer, answer yes or no and tell the truth. We got the truth there. Yes, some of the services will be cut at Milton Keynes Hospital. They'll still be available at GPs and other places, but they won't be available at Milton Keynes Hospital. That interview could have been 30 seconds long. And that's the sort of thing that you get on Ian's Breakfast Show. Serious interviews and also a bit of fun. Want to hear Catherine Boyle and Ian talk about nothing for 4 minutes 25 seconds? Well, here you go. Now, the newspapers. The... I'll be honest, there's not a lot happening. No. Well, on the Daily Mail, yeah. it's saying that Meryl Streep fell for Jack Nicholson. You would, wouldn't you? I definitely you would. You totally... Not now, then. Now, come on. No, no, not no. now. No. No. If Nick Coffer had Jack Nicholson on his show, he had Roger Moore the other day. I wonder why you're bringing Nick into this. Well, but... no, because if Nick Coffer had, um, uh, uh, who are we talking about, Jack Nicholson on his show as a guest. Yeah. Um, and Jack Nicholson came in and you had to kind of, fl- no, not fluff him, that's something different, isn't it? You had to um, uh, make Pre-interview. Him... Pre-interview. And, uh, well, what's your name, honey pie? Oh, no. No, no, no. Why don't you come and sit over here and uh, I'm coming to get you. What's that voice? That's from The Shining. Oh, right. It's not a no, bad impression, that, actually. That's not his, uh, him at his best. You know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, he was a handsome young man. When he was playing and mentally those... ill people, yes, that, that was very erotic. Devilish eyebrows. Yes. I quite like a devilish eyebrow. But even now, just so you could go back to your husband and say, you're never going to believe who I... No. No? OK. Mm. What about Poirot? Would you go for Poirot? Every day. David Suchet. Uh, David Suchet seems like a proper old-fashioned actor. Mm-hmm. A little bit lovely. I nearly quit as Poirot over Hanky. That's the headline. <laughs> right. uh, he nearly quit over a, a row over a handkerchief. Uh, Suchet uh, quit the role, almost quit the role during the first series when a director did not want him to indulge in one of Poirot's little foibles of placing a hanky on a park bench before he sits on it. He, Suchet said, as charming as I may appear, when it comes to defence of character or my work, oh, God, here we go, just say the words and walk when you're told to, then I will fight and I will not compromise. If Agatha Christie writes that on park benches he sits on a handkerchief, then he sits on a handkerchief. Get over yourself, Good love. Brief. Can you imagine? All you've got to do, all acting is, is walking and talking when you're told. paid quite a lot of money yeah, for exactly. playing, surely. Yeah. Um, I sleep with my eyes open, says Catherine Jenkins. Will that put you off her? Um, it's a little creepy. Well, let's look into the paper. Are you allowed it's... to put an eye mask on her? <laughs> Are you? I mean, obviously, with her permission. I wouldn't want to do anything against... She must find that terribly drying on the old eyeballs. Yeah, I, I sleep with my eyes a little bit open. My so... youngest daughter does do the snake eyes when she's asleep. It's weird. It's not weird. It is weird. I can see You what's... can't see it. I can see what's going on. I had a girl, a, a girl dumped me once because of that. She said, I just can't stand your eyes at night. 
Oh, right. Thanks a lot. Stop looking at me. Yeah, you're weird. I go to sleep. Stop watching me in my sleep. I'm glad you're dubbing me because I don't like weirdos that watch me when I'm asleep. The medical affliction that means Kath sleep with Kath, we're calling her now because she's her eyes are You don't like Kath, do you, Kath? I do like Kath. You don't like being called Kath when I. When no, I'm... I don't like being called Kath. But, okay. I like this Kath. Okay. I don't know whether she likes being called that. I doubt it. New record deal, handful of chart topic. <laughs> no. Katie. Ch- no, not since I was about seven. Catatonia. Not on a weekday. Chart-topping albums under her belt. You might think singer Catherine Jenkins would sleep soundly at night, but the 33-year-old Kay. has revealed that she suffers from an unusual condition that can disrupt slumber. She always sleeps with her eyes open. And there's a picture of her in a dress to prove it. Cat? Do you like cat? Some people call me that. I just... I'm Catherine. What's wrong with Catherine? Catherine. It's just use names. Three syllables. It's yeah, lazy, th- lazy mouth. It's three syllables. Uh, I've got a very lazy mouth. <laughs> this isn't rude Britannia, says the Daily Express. Britons still... I don't believe this for one second. Britons still have a reputation for politeness and good manners. I think not. We're atrocious, aren't we? It may be because we are less likely to take offence at the kind of things that make other nationalities upset. Here's something. I'm raising my hand to you. Okay, mm-hmm. that could be, supposing you just let me cross the road, you're, you're, uh, you're in a car, I want to cross the road, you let me cross the road, I raise my hand to you. If I do that in Greece, that's the same as raising one or two fingers at How someone. Rude. So the number of times I've, someone's let me cross in Greece, not very often, because they don't like that over there. No. Zebra crossings don't work on the continent. Well, it, do, it does mean that you're insured and when they plough you down. Yeah, okay. Put my hand up, say thank you, and then they start beeping the horn and getting angry wow. with me. And I thought they were, oh, that's being nice that they're thanking me for thanking them. They're not, they're getting really upset. You've got 30 seconds, use it wisely. Mambo number no. 5 singer Lou Bega was forced to confirm he was still alive after being confused with rock legend Lou Reed, who died on Sunday. It was I, all over Twitter. The, how could, right, he's a, a black German who had one hit. Mm-hmm. Lou Reed is a white American who had, I think, one hit. How could you confuse the two? They're both called Lou. Justin Dealey earlier on. We were talking about um, the things that put you off, people. Partners, colleagues, things like that. Things that annoy you, little things like that. Uh, and Justin Dilly once asked a, a potential girlfriend to leave his property because she laughed at his CDs being in alphabetical order. Wow. Well, he got quite upset. I, I, I Listen, my CDs are in alphabetical order. I think it's a wonderful thing to do. I think only blokes do it. I think only blokes do it. But um, he got quite upset by this and he said, right, in fact, we can go to, we'll go to Justin Dilly now, and Justin can explain exactly what he wants uh, people to phone in about. Justin, you, you got upset about the alphabetical CDs, didn't you? So basically, right, girl comes around, yeah, I'm all like, yeah, lati da, like some candles and stuff, like, yeah. well up for it, well excited, isn't it, boss? You know what I mean, eh? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, she goes through my CDs, and she has a little giggle on, because uh, they're in alphabetical order. Giggle on? Yeah, she has a little giggle on. And you want people to... You, I mean, you, you, you're out, you're gonna go I'm out outraged. The, you're outraged, aren't you? Yeah, mate. And you're going to go out in the streets and talk to people? I'm going to go out, get some comps, get some feedback, and then see what people reckon to, like, if they have their stuff in alphabetical order as well, isn't it? And right. do you want any um, uh, people to call in on it? Uh, yeah, if people want to call in, like, 08459 and uh, speak to me direct, that'd be great. Nice one, Justin Dilly. Thank you very much indeed. We'll get the latest on that in a bit. <laughs> Here's Ian banning Dave and Luton this week. You, you, you've got to give a rest bit of, um, a bit of thought for these firemen. And they inter... Hang on, is this Dave and Luton? Yes, it is. You're banned. Well, t- and again. Goner. Yes. In the dictionary, it says a person or thing that's in a desperate state of affairs. Right. 
Well, I can name a person, but... Um, I've got a dictionary but, in front no, of me, Dave. But, I'm going to read it to you. On, but that's what, that's, reason, that's what he's saying. A goner. Right, OK. It's going. It's going. You're going in, in a minute. The, the word going is in the English directory. directory. Oh, it's in the English directory? Yeah. OK. I've got a word. See if you can work out what word I'm reading the definition of. Censure, condemnation or disapproval expressed especially by public opinion. A prohibition imposed by law or official decree. An excommunication or condemnation by church officials uh, to prohibit especially by the official decree. Any good idea what word that is? Is that gone, huh? No, it's banned. So what happened to you? And here's reporter Justin Dealey talking to a man about aliens. Was it good, Just? Average. So here we are. We're, we're standing in your back garden. There is a new comet, and you claim that you have proof that aliens are mining this comet. Can you tell us what you've discovered here in your back garden in Hertfordshire? Well, what we've done, we've used um, biolocation techniques to get a picture derived from the magnetic fields of the comet. So using these magnetic fields, we can draw out a picture of the comet, we can identify the core, we can identify the mushy bit around the outside of the core which contains the water and the gases and the carbon dioxide and anything, and particularly the tail, which is a bit that most people go for when they look at the uh, thing through binoculars, they see this spot of light with a tail behind it. So we've got the whole comet actually mapped out here on the, uh, the lawn. And our group believe that they have now got fairly good evidence that this is in fact the case and that some of these extraterrestrials extraterrestrials um, have cottoned onto this comet some time ago and have started mining it for various materials which are of use to them and what we've done using our magnetic methodologies is to identify the mining ships and the actual mines in the comet itself. Now you say they're mining it for materials such as? Uh, it'd be aluminium, silicon, there are about six mines, carbon dioxide, organics and xenon, uh, they're doing for xenon, and also uh, water. Uh, and what type of group of aliens are we talking about here, do you know? And this particular group we have designated as S. Gilf. That sounds scary. And the GILF stands for Galactic Intelligent Life Form. So what do they look like then? Polymorphic species, actually. The actual worker type one is about four foot six. And um, they have uh, the normal arms and legs um, and a head. But they are carnivorous. So they actually feed on meat. Now, you claim you have proof. Now, with the greatest amount of respect, uh, we're standing in your back garden here and you've got a few pegs on the grass. Mm. Is that really proof? That is proof if you're able to monitor the magnetic fields. All you've got to do is to come in, monitor the fields, and you can have people completely ignorant of what is here mm. and they will actually pick up the same fields as somebody else who did it the day before or some other time. Now what about NASA because you often copy in NASA to your emails to us at the radio station. What have they had to say about this? With a bit of luck they'll begin to start a bit, taking a bit of notice of our new methodologies. Yeah I was going to say, I mean you have proof, I mean just lastly I say this flippantly but um, how long is it going to be before I can walk down to my local pub and have a conversation with an alien? Realistically how long is that going to take? That's going to be a long while uh, because the aliens are very advanced compared with us, mm. both technically and one day, though? 
One day. Undoubtedly one day. Should we be scared, or is this a prospect that we should be excited about? Excited. There's no need to be scared, because they would have been down here ruling the roost, so to speak, a long time ago, if we uh, had to be scared of them. They are obviously looking on the earth as something which has to be um, looked after, and if necessary, protected. Here's the thing, Craig. Do you, do you lend your DVDs out to people? I, I do, but I actually write it down where yes. I lend them. Yes, good. <laughs> I started doing I'm this. Actually, I'm actually fed up with lending stuff and not remembering where it's gone. It's, so, um, it, listen, I, I started doing I this. Book. I, I had a little book. Oh, uh, Catherine, Catherine, why are you pointing at me? <laughs> two DVDs, my friend, two DVDs. Well, that's great, because I've actually got three of Catherine's DVDs. She's oh. forgotten one already, so that's mine to keep. But I, I have lent so many DVDs to people... And I've lost them. They forget to... I don't know who they are. So you write a little book, you write down, right, I've lent lent Steve, Enter the Dragon, uh, the uh, 25th anniversary version. Fantastic. (laughs) Then then a month later, go for Enter the Dragon, it's not there, I give Steve a phone call. Exactly. Craig, listen, you're, you're a man after my own heart. Thank you. Go on, Catherine, can you remember... You ask. I find it embarrassing to have to ask. Well, ask what? For my DVDs back. Just DVDs cost repeatedly. like some of those cost four ninety nine these days. Can, can you remember the some three? Some of them are more expensive. Can some you remember... of them were gifts from parents. And some of them still living at your house. Can you remember the three DVDs of yours I've got? Fleetwood Mac in Boston. Yeah. Annie Hall. Yeah. Oh, you've forgotten the third one, which is the third one is the one I wanted, so I'll keep that. Oh, I know. The what? Liberace one. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Um, let's go to uh, line one. Who's on line one? It's Paul in Milton Keynes. Hi, Paul. Thanks very much uh, for, for coming on the air. What would you like to say? Well, uh, Ian, I, I lent one of my colleagues a uh, computer game called Borderlands, and um, I haven't had it back, and I'm, I'm actually convinced that they've not even played it yet. And I just wondered if, if you could give me some advice as to what saves them, maybe to sort of get it back. Is this Paul Scoynes, the political reporter from BBC Three Counties Radio? Uh, 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 yeah. Is this a subtle dig at me? No, 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 I just said a colleague. Right, Paul uh, Paul gave me Borderlands for the Xbox 360. Correct, <clears throat> I have not played it. But as far as I'm aware, Scoins, yeah. that was a give, not a lend. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Hey! Whoa, I... No, that expressly said it was a lend. I rem- remember... You, you knew it was a lend. And, no. you know, you did give me back... Uh, a, a different uh, game, which I have played, and and uh, we're completely willing to give it back or sell it on. What but, game? Did, know, what game did I give you? Yeah, uh, it was a war game. Okay, right. Uh, so, and that was a give. I, I gave no, you that. That was a give. Yeah, that was a give. Yeah. Well, hang I, on. If I, I if I give mine, you something, mine wasn't, mine wasn't a give though. It was already beforehand was a lend, and you then gave me things, which you know, which is nice, but it equally put me in a slightly difficult position when I wanted to get that back from a colleague. This is 11 months later. 11 months. And you've still not played it? I haven't played it. I'm waiting for the right time. For her? Well, can I have my game back then? Yeah. Yeah. Even though though that that was definitely a give? That was a give, yeah. Okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll bring it in tomorrow, if I can find it, uh, as long as you bring me my game back and you give me another one. Uh, Okay. Excellent stuff, Squines. Thank you. Sucker. Me? Yeah. I work with some idiots here at BBC Three Counties Radio, but one of my favourite idiots is Kelly Betts. Thanks, mate.
You're welcome. Now, that's the classic semi-detached suburban, Mr James, by, of course, Catherine? Manfred Mann. Thank you very much. And you only recently found out there is actually a man called Manfred Mann. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Who knew? Yeah, well... Everyone else, apparently. He, he did. Now, Kelly Betts is objecting to that song. What's your problem? What pantomime is that from? Sorry? What pantomime is that from? It's from the 1960s, which in many ways was a pantomime, but you're objecting to the lines... You think What was it? Are you really going to be sad about not taking your dog for a walk? Do you think you'll be happy taking Doggy for a walk? However. Yeah. Yeah, who... What does that even mean? There were lots of songs in the 1960s. I'll play another one in a little bit. We'll drop Rod Stewart. There were lots of songs in the 1960s that were criticising suburbia, uh, a middle-class uh, life, and mm. what was perceived as not being hip uh, and, and being uncool. Uh, and that song is attacked, uh, attacking middle-class suburban life. What pantomime is it from? Oh, for goodness I But I know what you're going to play. Well, Pleasant Valley Sunday of by course. the Monkeys, of course. What else is there? <laughs> So, Kelly Betts, you didn't like the last song about suburbia. Would you like to try another one? Yes. Do you know what suburbia is? Yo. Sorry? Place. Oh, you what act- pantomime is it from? You see, what they're saying, Kelly Betts, is that, um, like, middle-class suburban life is dull... And that we should all kind of just do our own thang, man. Get down with it. Where, where exactly is suburbia? Those 60s crazy cats are crazy. OK, Tony's, uh, Tony's on the line. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Ian. Tony, what, I believe you've got a beef with me. What's your beef? Yeah, stop having to go at 60s music. It's my era. I've got thousands and thousands on my computer. It's the best wow. time you've, ever. You've, 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 you've collect, kept and collected the original MP3s. That's incredible. Well, well, I had them on um, vinyl, and then I had them on tape, and now I've progressed to MP3, yeah. I'm not... <laughs> what, at what point did you think I was having a go at 60s music? You were having a go at it. I heard it with my own ears. What, what did I say that was critical of 60s music? You mu- were going on about the words in the music. That, that would be 60s songs, yes. But what exactly did I say <laughs> that was critical? <laughs> it was. What? You're all... What did I... Tony, tell me what I said that was critical. <laughs> it was, it, I don't know, it's just a number of things, and you could tell you was having a profit. You say a number of things, you've yet been able to give me one thing. <laughs> give me one. Well, Ian, just answer me one thing. Yes. Will, uh, will modern music today still be played in 45 years' time, like the 60s stuff is now? That Lady Gaga is very catchy, I believe. Yeah, OK. Uh, Tony, thank you for... I wasn't having a, Ke- Kelly Bates, why did you put him on? What? I, what, I, That's my dad. I, oh, defending me. No, it's not I, really. I wasn't having a go at 60s music. I was having a go at you. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Before we go any further, we've had uh, a call from Robert in Gravenhurst. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Ian. Robert, why, why have you called in this morning? Well, I'm right because I've been put in poverty, Ian. You've been put in poverty? Yes. In what way? How have you been put into poverty? Uh, I've been a child on ill health, and um, after paying council tax, rent, me electric and me water, I've no money for food. How old are you, Robert? I'm 52. I've been retired on ill health. Uh, and when did that happen? Um, I got hit on ill health on, in 2003, but I've only just started start to pension me off. From this year, from the first of the eighth. So, what you you were being paid uh, a kind of a, a sort of a salary, even though you were off ill. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's been now cut because. Well, you, well, you... well, what I was, I was claiming benefits because my right. company stopped my my money. Okay. So I, I was on benefits. Then my benefits stopped because I got my pension coming in. 
But after paying all my bills and my rent and I think, I won't be able to eat, you know what I mean? So you've got no money for food at all? At the moment, no. Not till I'll have money coming in, but not if I have no money for food, because I've got to pay bills and, you know what I mean, and electric and towards my rent and council tax. When, when does your money come in so you can get something to eat? Um, it comes in at the end of this month. The end of the month? Well, OK, so the end of October? Yeah. OK, so this is not too long to go, because we're, we're on yeah. the 30th now, I yeah. think. So there's not too long to go, but how... Wh- have you eaten today? Not at the moment, no. I, I can get a breakfast, but after that, I've got stuck a little bit in my freezer, but after that's gone, I don't know what to do. This, this must be quite worrying for you, Robert. It is, really, yes. But, I mean, I've had people out trying to help me, but budget me funds, but how can you when you've got nothing to live on after you've paid all your bills and that? So who's been helping you? I've had the Housing Association. I've had a lady from them. Yeah. They've been really brilliant. What have they, and what have they done to help you? Uh, they've helped me, you know, look at the letters I've had come in from right. the beds, you know, central beds and everything. Yeah. But, you know, it's just crucifying me at the moment. So are you in debt? Robert, or are you, are you kind of keeping your head above water? I, I will be getting into debt, yes. I'm guessing you live on your own, is that yes, right? Yes, I do, yeah. You got any friends or, or, or family you I can have, talk to? I've got family, but they, they have to work, you know, they've got their own families. Yeah. How are you feeling, Robert? Well, I, I do suffer from depression. Have you been to the doctor about that? They, yeah, I'm on uh, antidepressants. And how are you finding them? They're all right, but the point is, it, with all this you know, trouble or not, I think. It makes me feel like sometimes taking my own life, and that is the honest truth. When was the last time you thought about taking your own life? Last night, actually. Really? Mm. Why, why, what, what was so bad last night? Well, it's just that, you know, thinking about everything coming on top of me, you know. But you said you've got family. Yeah. So, they, if you did something to yourself, they, they'd be upset, wouldn't they? Yeah, I know they would, yeah. But it, it makes me feel that way, and you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. I've never been in, you know, like this before in my life. So, what are you going to do? Well, after paying all my bills and that, I've just got to, you know. But they said I can get a, you know, the count central bank said I can get a form to fill in. They 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 can help me with getting food, but. Well, why don't you get? Why that sounds like a great offer, Robert. Why don't you give them a call today to see to, to say, look? They're sending me the form out, Ian. They're sending you the form out. Yeah. Okay. So, are, are you going to fill it in when it comes? Yes, I will, yeah. And what would that get you? Is that is that to get you to a food bank or something? Yeah. How do you feel about getting food from a food bank? Well, I, I think it's just well, it's disgusting, really. But why is it disgusting? Well. I'd like to do me, you know, my own shopping and yeah. you know what I mean. Of course you would. But you know that you're not in a position at the moment, are you, to do that? No. So uh, I, I, I wouldn't feel, um, I don't know, embarrassed or ashamed for getting food from a food bank. That's what it's there to help. Mm. It's there to help people when they're struggling a little bit. Well, I feel as though, you know, the way it's getting on top of me, I think it's getting on top of me at the moment. Who do you, who do you talk to about this, Robert? I don't talk to many people. I just sit in my own place and just, yeah. you know, keep upsetting myself. Yeah. That's not going to... Listen, I suffer from depression and I'm on pills and stuff like that and, and the, the pills have certainly kept my head above water but one of the things that I've learned is that by sitting indoors on your own all day long, that kind of perpetuates the cycle, doesn't it? Mm. That, makes, that makes you feel worse. Yeah, no, yeah. So what can we do to get you talking to someone? 
I'm not saying going out. I'm not saying going out and playing bowls or doing something ridiculous like that. But you you need to have daily. You need to have contact with well, human I'm not beings. Down the road, or, you know, but I don't talk to them about how I feel because, you know, it's embarrassing for me. Do you think that they would feel embarrassed if you said, "Look, I'm I'm a bit worried. I've got no food. And I'm feeling a bit depressed." I don't know. I don't know what to say. How long have you known these friends? They've been friends with me for years. Yeah, close friends. Yeah, really close friends. Well, listen then, if they're if they're close friends and they've known you for years, again from mm. personal experience, uh, I know what it feels like you're you're thinking, oh, I don't know, I don't want to annoy everyone, I don't want to be a burden, but if they've known you for years mm. and they're close friends, they will really appreciate you being honest mm. and being able to tell them that you're struggling a bit. Yeah. Listen, ninety nine percent of the people listening to this have struggled or are struggling or will struggle at mm. some point in the future. Not just financially, yeah. but just with that depression that comes in. Mm. Lo- a lot of people get it, uh, and there's nothing shameful about asking people for help. Well, see, since I've... I'll tell you when my depression started, it's when I lost my parents in 2005. Yeah. And, you know, um, but th- this is the last straw, you know. I feel this is... Tipping me over the edge a little bit. Did you lose both your parents in 2005? Yes, one after the other. Yeah. Within two weeks of each other. Oh, mate, I'm sorry. It's tough, isn't it? Yeah. It's really tough. But, you know, I speak to my older brother on that. I mean, but he says to me, you know, how are you supposed to live? He understands the way I am, you know. Yeah. What what do you mean, the way you are? The way I feel, you know. So you speak to your brother about it? Mm-hmm. Where, where do, does your brother live nearby? No, he lives right in Luton. Right. What are the chances of going to stay with your brother for a weekend? I don't know. I'll have to ask. Gravenhurst to Luton, it's not, I mean, it's not that far. I'm sure no. with a few buses and a little bit of working yeah. things out, you could do it. Mm. And it might just be nice. Does, you, does your brother live alone or has he got... He's got family. Well, you could, at the very least, you could say to him, look, any chance I could just come over mm. Saturday night and just sleep over Saturday night yeah. and have breakfast with you and the family? Yeah. Because that would be kind of nice. That it would make you feel... It would be, yeah. It would be nice, wouldn't it? And I'm sure yeah. if, he's a, if he's... Is he a good brother? He is, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Do you love him? I do. Yeah, and he loves you? Mm. I'm sure, listen, I'm sure he'd love you to come over for dinner on Saturday night, mm. breakfast Sunday morning, wonderful. Yeah. Two good meals. Yeah. It doesn't solve the problem. No, I know. But it moves things along a little bit. Ring, you know. What? What? Do, what can I do, Robert? I you, don't really know. I just wanted to chat, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're obviously reaching out for something. Yeah. Is it just the loneliness? It's the loneliness, and you know, struggling. You know. Yeah. Well, listen. You can give us a call any time you want. Okay. That's an open invitation. We might not always be able to put you on air, but you give okay. us. A, we'll, we'll try to when we can. If the show's not, you know, sometimes okay. we're a bit busy, but you can give us a call any time you want. Okay, thank you very much. And also, don't. Uh, how do I say this without sounding patronising? There isn't really a way of saying this without without it. Don't do anything stupid, mm. because you've got your brother, you've got your friends, you've got the fellow that lives up the road. Yeah. They would be. Uh, they would be devastated, wouldn't they, if you yeah. did something? Yeah. Yeah. So, what are we going to do? When's the form coming to, to sort out the food well, bank? they sent it out yesterday. They sent it out yesterday, so it might come today. Yeah. Hopefully it will come by the weekend. Yeah. Uh, and do you think you'll be able to fill that in yourself? Yes, I will, yeah. You, 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 you can do all that? Yeah. Right, fill it in. Well, thanks, Ian. Put, put, put your, you know, your pride and stuff to one side, because okay. what you want is you want some stuff in your cupboard in your fridge. So, okay. fill it in. Um, have you thought about 
and these aren't for everyone, and don't take this the wrong way, have you thought about calling up someone like, I don't know, the Samaritans? I haven't, no. Because they're not just there to stop you jumping off a you know, bus, mm. off, off of a, a car park or anything. They're there, they'll just chat to you. OK. So if you're, if you're feeling really lonely, it's sort of, for me it was always about half past three in the afternoon. Yeah. When it, was, it, was, it would kick in. If you're feeling lonely at half past three in the afternoon, you can give them a call. Yeah, OK. And just have a chat. Yeah. And just say, oh, I'm feeling a bit lonely. OK, thanks, Ian. Robert, can you do me a favour? Yeah. Give me a call tomorrow. All right, Where are we you. now? It's Wednesday today. Give me, I'll speak to you tomorrow. All right, thanks, Ian. Cheers, mate. Thanks, bye. Ta-ta, there we go. Bye. Well, there you go. You see, that's uh, Robert in Gravenhurst. He's having a rough old time, isn't he? Um, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I don't, I don't want to make this a, a let's all phone in and help Robert kind of thing, but if you've got any practical suggestions or or solutions, I don't, I don't want to sound all patronising either. And all, all let's you know, come on, Robert, cheer up. But if you've got any practical solutions, maybe you've been in a similar situation uh, as Robert, and it was all a little bit bleak, and you've managed to come out the other side. What did you do? <laughs> Every now and then we get a call on the show that makes you think a bit like that one and we'll be keeping in touch with Robert to see how things go. And every now and again on Ian's show we talk about um, piles. Jonathan Vernon-Smith is here wearing a scarf. It's cold. It is cold today. Isn't it chilly? I had my heated seats on this morning on the way in. First time this year. <laughs> in your car? Yes. Oh, God. They give you piles. Do, what? The heated seats give you piles. Heated seats give you piles. I thought that was sitting somewhere cold. Well, either extremity on your um, your, your anus will will g- give you piles. And as someone, no, listen. <laughs> oh my God. As someone, it's Latin. <laughs> as someone who has had piles, <laughs> why are you you are aware you're on the radio, aren't you? Is that what that red light means? <laughs> I have no secrets for my listeners. As someone who has had piles and had them banded, trust me, JVS, you do not want to go there. You do not want to go there. It was awful. Hellish. Yeah. I nearly said something else there, but I managed to stop myself. <clears throat> but I've, I've, uh, I've had my heated seats for a number of years now. I've never had piles. How's your anus? <laughs> Is it good? Stop it. Is it good? It's perfectly fine. Good. Well, just just be warned. You don't. You, there is nothing worse. Well, there is one thing worse. What's that? I had that as well. <laughs> I did. Did you? Do I say it on the radio? No. No. Okay. Please. I'll, I'll write it down. I have for you. no idea what you're talking about. I, you've got a devilish glint in your eye that it's, makes it's me all, worried. It's all in the same area. Oh, it's just being written down, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> You're laughing at that, are you? You could have that. Is that called a pylonidal sinus? I don't know what the medical term is. I've had a pylonidal sinus. Did oh, you have to have it? Did you have to have your um, anus sewn up? No. <laughs> Can I tell you what's going on my show, please? Don't be scared of the truth. <laughs> Opera beauty Catherine Jenkins has revealed she sleeps with her eyes open. I'll be honest, if she came back to mine uh, and I kind of three o'clock in the morning, I I rolled over and, you know, kind of wake up early as I often do. And I look down and I saw Ms. Jenkins' eyes wide open. I give her a a, a quick uh, elbow to the ribs. You liar. You liar. Come on. Out. I'm having none of that. You wouldn't. Weirdo. (laughs) <laughs> now, Justin Dealey, you spoke to people earlier. Let's have a little, little recap. Here's some of the things that put people off people. Hmm? I think if she hadn't brought her around the night before in the bar, I think it's equality. I think everybody should pay their fair whack. 
What would put me off somebody? Smell. Lady bow. Lady bow? Lady body odour. Yes, yes. Smell, yes. J- Justin, I've got to ask you, what exactly is lady bow? Lady bow, like lady body odour, like BO, but for ladies. OK. Now, you once dumped a girl... It smells be- like a sweaty rose. You once dumped a girl because she laughed at your music collection. Yeah, man, I ain't even know. No problem. And you've been asking people if there's anything wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with having a, your music collection order. You've been asking people that. Oh, yeah, I've been asking people in the streets of Luton this morning what they think. Should we have a listen? Yeah, bruv, thanks, boss. I think I'd get my OCD treated. You think I've got OCD? Yes. By having my CDs in order, seriously? <laughs> seriously. You're a young girl. Is there anything wrong with CDs in alphabetical order? No, nothing at all. Charlie, you seem like a normal guy. I bet you've got your music collection in alphabetical order, haven't you? I have. Yes. Now, if a lady laughed at you for doing that, would you uh, say, go on, on your bike? Uh, not necessarily, no. Would it offend you, though? It would upset me a bit, maybe, yes. Sarah, I bet you've got a big one, haven't you? No, no I'm sorry, we're going for a bus. You've got a big music collection? No. The thing is, Justin, it's one of my mm. joys when I move house, is um, one of the joys for me is knowing that at some point I'm going to have a weekend all to myself where I can just go through the CDs. Yes. And it's a joy. Do you want to hang out one weekend? No. Uh. Uh, but how many CDs have you got? Probably about 5,000, something like that. You see, Ian, I have something called the love test, OK? Now, if I'm dating a lady, I take her back to mine, I show her my big collection, and I then pull out the killer question. I say, name me an artist. Now, this is where it could go one way or the other. Ooh. If she picks Engelbert, there is a ring on standby. If she picks something ridiculous, she's out the door. If she laughs at my collection, well, she is booted out well, the door. Justin, what would you consider as something ridiculous? Obviously, Engelbert is, is, is good for you. What would be bad? Well, I really like Jason Donovan as well, if I'm going to be honest. So something bad would probably be like, uh, I don't know, uh, I can't think of anyone. Really? And you've got 5,000? I know, so you'd think I'd be able to think of one, but I can't. Why don't you get, like, an iPod or, or, or an MP3 player or nah, something? No, technology in it, bruv. I'm not down with that. I'm my boss. You're not a big fan of, of the technology then, Justin? You want to get rid of all the CDs and... Uh, Get you know. Who is that child you've got impersonating me? Sorry, come on. Who is that child you got in the studio with you? No difference, is there, bruv? When do I ever say bruv? Say bruv all the time, boss. Say it later, guys. Shall I do the rest? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't. I really like Engelbert Humbledink and Jason Donovan and Bross. So it's not really many people that I don't like, bruv. Thanks, Justin, very much indeed. I think the fake Justin is still there, though. Justin? Justin, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. No, not the real one, the fake one. You're quite finished. Making my footage. Can I go now? Yeah, go on, bruv. Bye. <laughs> if you've never called me before, do so. 08459 455 555. Between six to nine, nine. week Days. Day, mornings. It can be about anything, even just to correct me. Kick, shut up. Eh? Good morning, Ian. What can I do for you this morning? I've, I've um, rung in to say, if you say Skellington again, I'm yeah. going to come up there and give you a good slap. Oh. It's Skellington, not Skellington. That's what I'm saying, Skellington. It's not Skellington. What is it? It's Skell E. Ton. Skell-e-ton. E-ton. That's what I'm saying, Skellington. 
Well, it sounds like you're saying Skellington. No, 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 I'm saying, li- listen carefully, Skellington. <laughs> it sounds like Skellington. Well, you need to clean your lug holes out. Lug holes <laughs> out. Let me ask you a question, OK? Yes. Why, why are you so uh, upset because you think I'm saying the word Skellington when actually I'm saying Skellington? For the same reason that you say milk and not milk. Oh, dear. Next you'll be saying it's called a chimney, not a chimbley. Well, Hazel, listen, uh, let, let's go through it one more time. Tell me exactly how I'm supposed to say it. Skeleton. OK. Skeleton. That's what I'm saying. OK. Are you, OK. You, are we friends again? Yes. Are you going to give me a slap? No. Disappointing. <laughs> See you later, Hazel. Thank you very bye much. Bye. Bye-bye. There we go. So I'm saying. I'm saying Skeleton. I'm saying it properly. <laughs> wow, you're still here. You made it this far into the podcast. Well done. Here's Bill and Hemel. Good morning, Ian. Lovely to hear you. Lovely to hear you. Loud and clear. I need to just clean my left lugger out. You've deafened me. Ah, oh, brilliant stuff. It's a lovely morning. What can I do for you, Bill? Oh, uh, yeah, you were talking about what well, I'm talking about, pet hates of words. Yes. Um, I can't stand this word, mate. Oh, why? Well, you know you get down the road and everything and say, hello, mate, hey, hey, mate, you come here. I'm not there, mate. I don't know who they are. I, and I... Other, yeah, and the other one uh, is another one called Duck. Hello, ducks. Yeah. Hang on a second, Bill. I'm just getting a message. So you don't like it when people call you mate? Yeah. You and, you d- and, and duck. You don't like that. Hang on, stay there. Catherine? Yeah. When Bill came on the phone to you this morning, what did he call you? My darling. Bill? Yeah, hello. Now. <laughs> <laughs> you've been busted, haven't you, mate? <laughs> you've been busted. Oh, uh, yeah. I know. Uh, but the other one as well. You don't get another one. You've been busted. No, no, no. No, the other one is, you know. You know? You know. What? You know when you talk to someone and they go, um, well, you know. Uh, what? You know, you, you know. I don't know. What are you talking about? Well, this is what I'm saying. When people have a conversation and they go, well, you know. What? Um, you know what I'm talking about. You know. I don't. You've not told me. What other thing don't you like what people say? Exactly what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. You're not saying conversation. You're not saying anything. So what don't you like? The third thing. The third thing is about you know. I don't know. What is it? That's the word. That's the one I'm talking about. You have not told me anything. Right. You're having a conversation with someone and uh, they don't know what they're talking about. Then they go, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know, Bill. You've not told me. What are you talking about? We've got you don't like, mate. You don't like duck. What's the third thing you don't like? I'm talking about when people are having a conversation with somebody. I've got that bit. So that people are having a conversation with somebody. Yes. Yeah. And, and they don't know what they're talking about. But they say to you, you know. What? What they're saying about a conversation. Well, tell me. But they don't know what you're talking about. So? That's another one that gets more... You don't uh, like it... All right, I think I've got it. You don't like it when people don't know what they're talking about. That's right. Okay, But they don't say anything specific. That's exactly. You want to have a conversation and they they, they don't say the word about it and they say, you know... What? That's what I'm trying to say, Ian. Well, tell me. Just say it. Don't be shy. Come on, spit it out. (laughs) You're getting me going here. That's it. That's your lot. Uh, If you want to... Say uh, that every week. It's kind of like I might as well just replay what you did, said last week if you're going to do that. Catchphrase. Okay. Ian.ly at bbc.co.uk. You can listen again on BBC iPlayer, but I'd like to really thank uh, every member of my team, as I, I don't do this often enough. So, uh, producer Catherine Boyle, thanks very much. Uh, you're welcome. 
J-Dog, big up yourself. Thanks, mate. Kelly Betts. What? Try harder. <laughs> oh, that was awkward, wasn't it? Yeah. I can't believe you thought it would be a good idea to get everyone else <coughs> to do this. No. Rubbish. That's what happens when two worlds collide. Idiots. Thanks for listening to this free download from BBC Three Counties Radio, your local radio station for beds, hearts and bucks on FM, AM, digital radio and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. 